Hello, welcome back. This is MLEX's weekly podcast. My name is James Paniki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor here at MLEX, and it's great to be with you today. We're doing things a little differently this week with a cluster of three podcasts, of which this is the first. The other two will follow in coming days. Three podcasts, but a central theme, the United States Federal Trade Commission. The FTC has been in the news for different reasons over the past weeks, and these podcasts are going to look into different aspects of the agency's operations, starting from the top and the FTC's well-publicised internal divisions. This is more than whispers in the corridors. The FTC's sole remaining Republican commissioner, Christine Wilson, announced her resignation recently and accompanied that with a scathing assessment of the FTC that was published in the Wall Street Journal. Of course, there's a political dimension to all of this. Unlike regulators in other jurisdictions around the world, which are essentially non-political, the FTC's leadership reflects the political identity of the Biden administration. Even so, FTC Chair Lena Khan is coming under significant pressure at the moment. So, what does it all mean? Well, to discuss it, I'm joined today by Claude Marx, a correspondent with MLEX's sister publication FTC Watch in Washington, D.C., and Kuchita Vasant, our chief antitrust correspondent for the U.S., who is also based in D.C. Uh, so, Claude, firstly, why is this division at the FTC and Wilson's high-profile resignation different uh, than most partisan divides that we see at the agency? Because usually when the commissioners are of different parties, and there always are members of both parties on the commission, there are just disagreements about policy, but they tended but they tended to get along reasonably well. They work well together, and they work and they work collegially on stuff or so, even if they disagree on particular points. But this particular disagreement it seems very personal. Khan has been a very strong leader. She has really tried to shake up the agency, and that has not always sat well with both F- with with some rank and file FTC employees, but also with some of the Republicans who think that she's going too far in terms of overhauling the approach that the FTC takes to both consumer protection and antitrust issues. And uh, Claude Wilson, we should add, left with a public resignation letter. I mean, that must have created some embarrassment for the FTC. Yes, she she, she wrote a very strong op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, uh, which and she described it as a noisy exit. Although she has not said when she's actually going to leave the agency. She's not left yet. She's still there, and there's some thought she might be there for a few more weeks. Which, of course, adds another level of complication from a purely political uh, perspective, I suppose. But Kushita, do you think that Christine Wilson's exit was, in fact, timed? I mean, was this strategic, given that she left not long after her former Republican colleague Noah Phillips, right? Or, or is that purely coincidental? I think it's uh, there's a good chance that this exit was timed. I'm not sure how long she'd been planning this, uh, but when Noah Phillips announced in August last year that he's leaving, he stayed around for a couple of months. Um, and Wilson has complained uh, that you know the Democratic uh, commissioners at the FTC have been censoring her opinions, uh, public opinions on on certain matters, or she doesn't even get certain documents on active cases. I think it's also been timed because they've got this non-compete rulemaking uh, initiative, and I think there's a good chance that 
she didn't want to be around when the, the final rule is proposed, which is several months away. And Kushita, what kind of impact will this have on the agency's ability to do its job? So it doesn't really impact the FTC um, right now because they've got a Democratic majority. They've got Commissioners Alvaro Bedoya, uh, Rebecca Kelly Slaughter, and obviously Chair Lena Khan. So it's not really going to affect the FTC's work or initiatives, but it does raise credible questions about their legitimacy. I think um, attacks from Republican senators and Republican representatives in Congress are going to intensify. We've already seen a bunch of lawmakers write a letter to Lena Khan on the non-compete rulemaking initiative. And, um, you know, Senator Mike Lee has this one agency act. I mean, that's something that's been talked about for at least a decade. And I'm hearing from talking to lawyers in the antitrust bar that maybe that law, that bill finally has, you know, some legs to it. Of course, it's not, it, it, we won't see anything happen until 2025. But there are some Republican lawmakers who think the competition authority of the FTC should be stripped away. Uh, and it's only the DOJ, the U.S. Department of Justice's antitrust division, should have the competition authority. And eventually, I mean, it, this is a dream for some. They would like to see the FTC being a purely consumer protection body, which could be merged with, you know, the CFPB. Claude, let's remind non-U.S. listeners that the Republican Party now has a narrow control of the House of Representatives following the midterms. So how is the appointment of someone to replace Wilson likely to play out in the House? Well, the House does not confirm appointees to agencies. That's all done by the Senate. But the House, because the Republicans control the committees, they will be very strong in terms of oversight. And you can be sure that Lena Khan and others will be spending a lot of time responding to inquiries about what the, F- what the agency is and isn't doing properly. That's where I think the biggest uh, change is going to be. And one other thing that uh, I want to add to what Kachita said, one of the, the big differences or the, one of the big results of the, of the departure of Wilson will be that you won't have any dissenting voices. And that's important because a lot of times the dissenting voices on the agency wind up shaping uh, future discussions of issues. So, so for example, there have been cases that that when the FTC has lost cases in court, and they've lost them in part based on arguments made by the dissenting commissioners. So that's something to to keep keep an eye on. So in other words, what the commissioners can do is they they can point out to possible flaws in the arguments of the majority. And Claude, you mentioned the Senate and its role in confirming candidates uh, in, in passing just now. How are things going to play out there? What's uh, what's in store for the Senate, where, of course, the Democrats have retained uh, a very narrow control? Yeah, but Democrats have a 51-49 majority in the Senate. Uh, so pretty much anybody, any Democrats that President Biden would, would want to put forth on the commission down the road will, will get through, and the Republicans probably will as well. I mean, unless unless Biden puts up a Republican who's really a who's really objectionable to the Democrats, they, they will likely, likely get through. Usually FTC commissioners are not particularly controversial when they are confirmed by the Senate. So that should not be a problem. Yeah, just to just to add to Claude's point, um, uh, Rebecca Kelly Slaughter, the Democratic commissioner, her term has expired, but she can continue on the commission. So she's been re-nominated by Biden. 
And um, I think just to make sure that the Republicans aren't too annoyed with what's happening, they might try and defer Slaughter's um, nomination hearing in the Senate until they have two names, uh, two nominees picked out for both Christine Wilson's position as well as for Noah Phillips's position. So I, I don't expect a, a Senate hearing anytime soon. I think there will be a lot of pushback and criticism and intense scrutiny of uh, not just the FTC under the current Democratic majority, but also specifically of Chair Lena Khan. So we've already had one oversight hearing in September, and Lena Khan was grilled by uh, Republican senators like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and you know, Senator Mike Lee. But I think this time the focus, whenever the next oversight hearing happens, uh, the focus will be on the budget, which Congress allots to the FTC. There's always been a lot of push and pull on how much money and discretion the FTC should be getting. So um, I, I, I think we are going to see like a lot more scrutiny. Now, the FTC got a got a very sizable budget increase last time. They probably will not. They probably probably would not be so lucky again. But Claude, what do you think this says about the leadership of uh, Lena Khan? I mean, is she under pressure now? Is that uh, yes? Is that is that likely to have a sort of a, a political uh, flow on? Yeah, I think so because I think yeah, as I said earlier, Khan has been really tried to shake up the agency in terms of beefing up enforcement and uh, beefing up how it approaches merger reviews. This will cause her to be scrutinized a lot more. Yes. She is, she is going to be seeing lawsuits on some of the rulemaking initiatives she's, um, yes. she's proposed. So the U.S. Chamber of Commerce has already announced that whenever the non-compete rulemaking, the final rule is proposed, they're going to be challenging that in a federal court. Um, we've yet to see what a new Section 5 case is going to look like, so I expect there to be a lot of pushback from the bar. One of the, one of the things Republicans have been trying to push for for many, many years is to reduce the power of what they call the administrative state, the bureaucracy. The lawsuit that, that Kashida mentioned about non-competes is part of that. They, they really don't want these unelected bureaucrats, that the, as they call them, to have so much power. And you'll, and you'll see that with the litigation. Given the, the Supreme Court did a big decision earlier this year in the West Virginia versus EPA case, uh, that will that will limit what the FTC can do as well. Kushita and Claude, thank you for your ongoing coverage of these issues. It's always fun when antitrust and politics collide, and we're really grateful for your uh, work on this. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you so much, James. Kushita Vasant is MLEX's chief antitrust correspondent for the US. Claude Marx writes for MLEX's FTC Watch, and they were joining us both from Washington, D.C. And we'll post a link to MLEX's most recent piece of analysis about the Wilson resignation and what it means for the FTC at our website, which purely FYI is mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. If you click on the News Hub tab, you'll find a wealth of information, podcasts, reporting and analysis from the MLEX team around the globe. As for the podcast itself, you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher. Signing up for the podcast will come in handy over coming days as we roll out another two podcasts in our FTC series. The next one will be hosted by my colleague Laurel Henning, who will be chatting with Amy Miller from San Francisco. They'll be discussing Biden's recent State of the Union address and what it might mean for social media platforms 
and their responsibility to safeguard children and the FTC's role in that discussion. And that's it for today. The MLEX podcast is produced and presented by me, James Paniki. It's published by the MLEX marketing team in London, and our executive producer is Richard Thompson. From everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for listening. I hope you can join us again very soon. Bye for now. 